Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Portland Trailblazers landed number seven pick in the 2022 NBA draft, and that was a very disappointing outcome for them as they had hoped to land in the top four, maybe even number one. I'm Aaron Fentress. I cover the Blazers for the Oregonian, and this is the Blazer Focus Podcast. And of course, I am joined by my main man, Craig Bernbach. What's up, Craig? Hey, I'm your main <laughs> man now. Usually I'm, main a, man. I'm my like main a, man. I'm like main man. <laughs> Usually I'm public, public enemy number one in your mind. We're miles apart. The further we get apart, the more you like me. Exactly. You know, I, you, know you can't reach me now, so I can be nice. Anyway, um, so I'm in Chicago. I was here for the lottery. Yeah, you are. So we're going to talk about that, obviously. Um, you know, how disappointing that was, wh- what the bigger picture is with this team. And then we'll look at a few players that might be around at seven. But first, the scene center. Look, at one point during this entire thing, I was like, am I at the Grammys? Where's Beyonce? Because it's just so, the way it's put together and set up, it's so it's star-studded. Everyone's all dressed up to the nines. And there was, you know, there's all these, well, I would say there wasn't a lot of celebrities, basketball players. I don't know what they call them. I guess they're celebrities. But they weren't like, you know, movie stars or TV stars or music stars. But it just had this feel of all this pageantry and the set and the lights. And I'm just like, whoa, what the hell? This is like for like literally what's going to be a 15 minute thing. Um, so it was it was pretty. What'd you wear, Aaron? I what was completely wearing? underdressed. Completely. I, no one gave me the memo. <laughs> I should have wore a tux. No, I was wearing a sport coat at least. But anyway, so I, I get to the place way early just to sort of check it out. And I was, I was probably there two hours before everything got going just to take advantage of the <clears throat> media dining. But anyway, so I, <laughs> I, head, <laughs> I head down to the facility, uh, to the uh, uh, theater. And the first person I run into is Chauncey Billups. And he's just hanging, he's just sitting, standing by himself against the wall. I'm like, hey, coach, what's up? We talked for a few minutes. And I said, man, you excited? He said, he said it was pretty, he was pretty even keel. Like, you know, he's excited by the opportunity, but he's also being realistic. You know, whatever happens, happens. I kind of joked, well, y'all need to trade the pick anyway. He, of course, wouldn't go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but actually, actually, let me, let me back up. No, no, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. So anyway, so then I go and move forward and I'm walking along and I, I walk past a screen, big black screen. And it's just a little sliver of open and out of the corner of my eye, I catch what I believe is Lillard about 30 feet back talking to somebody. And so I stop and I look. And he, he sees me, like, what's up, Dave? And he he uh, actually stopped what he was doing and came over and talked to me. And he was like bubbling with excitement. Like he, I could just totally tell he was like excited to be there. And it was kind of, um, you know, anticipating what was going to happen. And so we talked for a while. And he asked me what I thought was going to happen. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, you got 9% this and 30% that and blah, blah, blah. I go, 
you know, I just I, I couldn't really give him a, a prediction. Um, but he seemed pretty, you know, upbeat and excited about it. And then, of course, I go into the arena with everyone else. We're waiting. Dame gets talked to on television. They ask him questions. And he says basically what everyone's been talking about. They have some assets. They have some things. They have some players injured. He feels they can turn a corner. But it all starts tonight is what he said. And it did kind of in many ways start tonight because if they had gotten a higher pick, that would have not only put them in a position to get a really good young player now, but it also that pick would have a higher trade value to maybe land someone else. Because, again, you never know who's going to pop loose and be available on the market. So as they start to show, I was a little surprised because I remember in the past, they always milked it. It always seemed like they milked it for longer. Yeah, it went and all fast. Of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, Duke came out and started just – and, and, some, and I remember, too, when they would do, like, maybe a few and then go to break and then come back, overanalyze it, then do a few more and do that. Dude was just, like, 14, 13, 12. And I was just like, whoa, we're just, we're just going. And uh, I started training on Lillard at about 10 because I because I, there was a possibility it could fall on like a 1% chance to 10 or whatever. And uh, I start, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was, like, totally into it. Like, okay, could they get a higher <laughs> pick? Like, and I'll be honest, I mean, I'm objective in my reporting, but I I always want the team I'm covering to do well because it's fun to go to Rose Bowls. It's yes. fun to go to Super Bowls. It's It would be fun to cover the NBA Finals, right? And if you're going to cover a team, you want people to care. Exactly. If, care, if you're going to do the work, you might as well have people read it. And like more people read it when they win than when they lose. Exactly. 100%. So, of course, there's a part of me that wants to see him get a high pick. Plus, that's going to be interesting to cover, a top two pick, whatever. Uh, and so when it came to seven, man, and they and that Portland Trailblazers thing came out, it was just like, Because uh, not only are you, is it settling in that they got seven, but also the thrill of the entire thing is now gone. Because right? it is kind of a rush when you, when you care about it. And I'll never forget 2008 when the Blazers, when the Bulls, Leapt up and got number one. Oh my God. Like one of the coolest fan moments ever watching that happen. So it wasn't like that. Well, for when me, the Blazers course, moved up, when the Blazers got number one. That's right. When the Blazers got, got 107. Old. Right. That was. They got old. And that part wasn't good. But when they got one, it was amazing. Right. I don't even, I don't even know if I watched that lottery. Anyway, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a thrilling uh, situation just to watch. So boom, it's just over. It's like, it's done. And I was like, I left the arena because <laughs> I was like, I don't care about the rest. I left to go, you know, <laughs> figure out what I'm going to do next. I'm out. Uh, but then I, I came back after it was over, over to try and run down um, Joe Cronin. I saw him talking with some people. I was sort of waiting for the right moment to sort of jump in and say, yo, what's up, Joe? Can I get some time? He actually saw me. Said, said to someone, hey, I'm going to go say hi to Aaron. I said, hey, can I get you for a couple of minutes on the record? He said, oh, yeah. And we talked about it. And, you know, look, Joe Cronin is a capologist expert. He, he understands math. He understands numbers. And uh, he knew what their odds were. And he, like he said, he said, look, I was hopeful. You know, I was hopeful. And he said, the big thing is I didn't want to fall back too far, right? So he was hopeful for better. It didn't work. Uh, such is life. And now they got to get to work. They, you know, scouting combine starts today. They got to evaluate these players. There's going to be, a, you know, if you're picking top three in a four-player draft, you're pretty much probably going to focus on those four guys for the most part, unless you're thinking about trading back. But now that you're in seven, that's sort of in a weird position because you got to look at guys five through probably 15 on the list that, that most mock, not that they're following mock drafts, but that the mock drafts we see, those players are probably all in play in their mind. So yeah, they have to get to work. But I did ask him, last thing I asked him was, look, you know, coupling this with losing out on the Pelicans pick, which was supposed to be a lottery pick, had it not fallen between well, one through four, it would have gone to the Blazers. 
uh, you know, how devastating or how tough it was in losing that. And he said straight up, he said, look, man, you know, we, we, we basically took a gamble. You know, he said we took a calculated risk and it didn't pan out. I think it was good. We were aggressive. Obviously, we love to have had that pick, but we'll recover and move forward. It doesn't change our mentality. Now, I'll say this. Had the best case scenario, well, best case scenario, Blazers get pick one, pick two, but most realistic scenario is if they could have gotten in the top four and then had the Pelicans pick at 11. That would have been nice. Instead, you end up with seventh pick. That Pelicans pick moves down the line to 2025. People who are like acting like the sky is falling. You can't ever convince me that the 11th, 12th pick in a draft, not having or having a sky is falling. Just go look at the history of that pick, right? There's, there's no way you're going to say that sky is falling. Even not getting into the top four this year, oh, that hurts. That was never should have been expected. Therefore, again, to me, that's not sky is falling. So before we move on to what they still have moving forward, what is just your take in general on them landing at seven? So not good. <laughs> You know, it's not good. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Like, I don't think there's a lot of analysis here. But I almost spit up my water with that one. I, was like, <laughs> I mean, like, it's a tough question, Aaron. Of course. <laughs> Seven is what – it's exactly what you – I mean, that's what the odds said. Joe Cronin knew it. I mean, like, you play math more times than not. You know, it, it's going to run the course the right way. So mm. um, you didn't get lucky. You haven't got lucky in this whole process because you made a calculated risk for – the you know the Pelicans pick the part that got me was you pick seven and the Pelicans pick eight so like this could end up being like the big like the Pelicans could just just own the Blazers just own them you know like they they got CJ they didn't have to give up that the lottery pick and now if you end up picking seventh which I'll talk about that and they end up picking eighth and they get the all-star and you get the bum. <laughs> like it's even worse. Like can these Pelicans just leave us alone? Just go, go away. Wow. Like pick, you know? So that's, that's what um, got me. Uh, you know, I'm a guy that was watching the lottery for two teams, the Knicks and the, the Blazers. Cause I have interest in both and they both landed right where they were supposed to like at 11 and seven. And I'm like, well, why did I pay attention to this? Like I could have not this. I uh, and I never got my hopes up for the Blazers to. I mean, that's what I wanted to happen. Uh, this is, you know, kind of the best part was your Twitter account blew up because you have forgot to mention that you you recorded Damian Lillard in a moment that TV didn't capture, and then the whole world saw. Right? You you. Uh, Talk about your mindset when you were still when you were on Damian Lillard with uh, that was your that was your phone right your camera phone. Yeah, I had really good seats. I was probably fifth row, I think, and uh, I you know TV will usually show the person right after they get their pick. And by the way, PJ Washington, my God, did that guy not want to be there? I thought he wanted to fight someone before they got the whatever pick they got, and after they got, like, he did not look like a guy who wanted to be anywhere near that place. But afterwards, he looked very jovial, so maybe that just was him not wanting to be on stage. But anyway, I figured game face. T- yeah, exactly. TV always trains on someone when they get their pick, and then it moves off them really quickly usually. But I was just like, man, I'm this close. I I got a good shot of Damian. I'm just gonna train my phone on him and just sort of see what happens because he's probably going to display a lot of emotions, you know, because when you get, when they come to six, if they say it's someone else, then you know you're in the top four. So there would have been a reaction from him to that. And then, of course, following him in the top four and seeing his reaction. So I started training my camera on him at 10. I only posted starting with uh, what they said at seven. 
uh, but I just kept it on him the entire time. And of course, you know, Dave Gate, I mean, first he sets his head back, leans back, closes his eyes in the chair, shakes his head. Then Sabonis from the Kings, DeMontis Sabonis is sitting next to him to his left. And so the Kings were slotted at seven based on record. So when they said the Blazers had seven, when the Blazers were slotted at six, that means the Blazers fell back. That meant, of course, the Clippers weren't at seven, which means they jumped in, they had to have jumped into the top four. Because if you don't fall back and your number comes up and it's not you, you're automatically in the top four. And so Sabonis, at the same time, Dame was upset. Sabonis was happy, but he didn't really gloat. He just smiled. <laughs> And then, so yeah, real big, ju- ju- yeah, juxtaposition of Damien, you know, shaking his head, putting his head in his hand, and Sabonis kind of smiling. And I think that's what led to the laughter. Not, not you hear laughter in my video. I don't really have Sabonis in my frame very much, uh, but it was just that combination working together. And I just kept it on Damien the entire time. And he's doing the thing where he's turning in his chair, which people do when they're frustrated and sitting in a, in a chair that swivels. Uh, and it, yeah, it was, it was clearly a frustrating moment for him. Um, I don't, I don't blame him because he's, you know, he's the guy they're trying to, to build around really quickly and yep. getting into the top four would be a huge asset, but they still have like seven still has a lot of value, but we'll get to that later. Oh, and then, yeah, I posted the video and all of a sudden, yeah, everyone, people started retweeting it. And then ESPN and Bleacher Report asked for permission to use it. If they credited me, I'm like, sure, fine. Um, and I guess it, people started watching it like crazy. So. Yeah, like over a million. I know. You act like that happens to you every day. How do I mon- – well, if, if I can't – it's not like I can monetize it, so I don't – Still, right. I but still. if you're going to, you know – yeah, of course. If you were, you were going to monetize it, you wouldn't be on this podcast right now. You'd be gone. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd be me and Thine trying to figure out, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> ben just quit. He's gone. He's on a private jet. <laughs> got a dollar a t- got a dollar a tweet but uh, but anyway, it was a fun moment a fun moment to see that uh, uh and i felt it and i was just proud of dame to not he didn't let a he didn't let a you know one of the censor words fly he kept it he kept it clean and just internalized um but i you know i i i feel for joe cronin uh i mean he's doing all right you know he's got a big house <laughs> nice car good contract but you know this guy made these deals, he rolled the dice hoping to get, you know, a seven and eleven. And he kinda he kinda didn't. <laughs> and uh uh now he's gotta figure out how to, you know, if you would have gotten those two picks or a top or a top four pick, he'd be in a just much better position. Um and now he's gotta get creative. Either he's got to get lucky or get creative. And my my first thought when I saw seven was Ventress is right. They're not they're not going to draft that this guy. Whoever's at seven is not going to be on the Blazers. Um, I just think they have to now. They have to make a trade uh, using that pick and other stuff to get if you know get a player that can be a starter. And um, right, I don't know if there is because Damian's going to demand that in a way just based on his age and the contract and where you are. Um, and so I think that, uh, I think that Joe Cronin started conversations pretty much immediately, uh, if he hadn't had him already saying, okay, let's see what we can do with this pick. Cause he pretty much said it. He said, you know, that there's getting, a getting a player, um, with ex- an experienced NBA player is a faster way to getting, you know, good than, you know, 
taking a rookie, especially when you're at seven. Hundred percent. And so let's let's go through so what they still have to, to play with because my reaction to all of this is less. Uh, doomsday than a lot of fans are being. But essentially you go from having, let's say, the 11th pick this year to what's probably going to be a pick in the 20s in two years from the Bucks. That sucks. I mean, there's no doubt that that sucks. You'd rather have 11 now. But the the player portion of that doesn't bother me because I'm not sold that they would have gotten someone at 11 yeah, who was going to have an impact? I'm also not sold. You're going to take 11 and trade it like people say. Look, trade 11 for Jeremy Grant. No, I don't think Detroit was going to take 11. I did. I talked to some Pistons writers about this, so we can come back to that. But I don't think Detroit would have taken 11 for Jeremy Grant. I think they would have probably done better than that for him. Um, so you know, last time the Blazers picked around there, they they got CG at 10. They got so I was obviously good. They got Myers Leonard at 11, which wasn't good. But CJ took three years to be good. You know, CJ barely played the first couple of years. And, and that's not what you need right now. So the loss of that asset hurts. No, you can't wait three of, years. You can't wait right. three years on this pick <clears throat> no. team. Not possible. Right. And, and think about that because he didn't he wasn't an impact player until after LaMarcus left. Now, if LaMarcus had stayed and you had that three, now you're talking about something. But when they were trying to win right then in that window, when Dame blew up and you had LaMarcus, CJ was a non-factor. So you don't want that again. So it hurts. He got hurt. That, you know, he got hurt one year. He was out with the. He had the. You know, he injured his foot. I think that his rookie year, right? And then he he still uh, wouldn't have played much. He was not. He was not on yep, nope. Stotts' radar. He just wasn't. Um, so anyway, the, the point is like you lose the trade asset, but you still have a pick to trade with. So it's not as good. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think it's that the end of the world. Complaining about not getting in the top four, or not getting one. Well, now you're just being greedy because the odds were against it anyway. Yeah. It's not like it was. It's, it's not now. If you if you had the worst record in the league and you fell far, which I, you can't fall, you can't fall past a certain point anyway. But anyway, my point is, then yeah, that would be horrible. But then you can't blame Cronin for that. He can't control the ping pong balls. The bottom line is, you're better off having that seventh pick than making the play in, and then maybe getting into the. Which I think if, if Dame had come back. And they hadn't to put everyone on the injured list. They make the play, and they have a chance to win that. They beat the Clippers without Paul George. They beat Minnesota, I believe. They'd have been in the playoffs and probably lost to the Suns. So would you rather? And then that, and then that pick goes where? It goes to Chicago. So you went from oh look this losing not having no a first round pick at all to having the seventh pick because just tanked, and you're in a better position. So the so the other alternative would have been horrible as far as I'm concerned. So you're still in a pretty good position with that pick plus. I'm tired of people disrespecting Josh Hart. That shit's starting to piss me off because you look stupid. When people say, oh, they got, what do, what do we get? What do we get for CJ? We got nothing. You got nothing? Did you not watch Josh Hart the last month of the season? Like, what are you paying? Plus, he fits better than CJ. I guarantee you, if you ask Chauncey Billups right now, who would you rather have on the court with Damon Ant, CJ or Josh Hart? He would pick Josh Hart. Because Josh Hart can still score, but I don't need an elite level score because I have two. I need someone who can guard. I need someone with some size, some length. So Hart is a better fit than CJ, and you still got that pick. And oh, by the way, you have a twenty-one million dollar trade exception that you can use. You know, the key here is whether or not. I mean, there's an argument. I, I hear what you're saying about what Chauncey would want, but. 
you know, straight up, who's a better player, CJ or Josh Hart? It's CJ, but he's not twenty-one million dollars better for this team. Exactly, and to me, that's the thing. That and he's contract, the wrong fit. and it wasn't just this year. I mean, CJ's contract's thirty plus million, you know, for multiple years. Like, right. and it wasn't you. At some point in time, you've got to say we're not going to win a title with this, and Dame wants to win a title. Like, we can't have CJ and get a player. At this, you know, at the thirty some odd million dollar mark, it's just not. There's just not enough room. Well, what well, so, you could, yes. you could, if it was the right fit, but they couldn't find the guy that would be the right no. fit. If there was a thirty five million dollar small Ford or power Ford out there, and they would take CJ, done. Now, now we've we've retooled our our lineup perfectly, great. But that wasn't available. You'd have to have kept CJ too. Is what I'm saying. What? Like, there's a. Well, you're saying, no, no, Nick, saying you still I'm had saying, CJ. No, 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 no. I was saying if no, sorry, I, I misunderstood. I was saying had they traded CJ not for Hart and the exception and stuff, oh. traded him for a player making thirty five million, but that player that, fit what right. That's wanted. the dream scenario. Yeah, right. Sure, but that wasn't Paul available. George. So go ahead. Right. If of course, like if yeah. you know Paul George, or Jimmy like Butler right. would have said, yeah, trade yeah. me right now. But you know what? All those players are make. They were making the playoffs. You know, like there's just right. not. There's just that's just that wasn't a realistic thought that you were going to get, uh, and who would do that? Well, again, you never know, you never know who's willing to no, dump but someone I mean, for like, something. But most people are not going to dump, right? A a bigger, more athletic player for a smaller player who who's one dimensional. And CJ's one dimensional. The one thing people were trying to find is a fit between a guy that wouldn't play for a certain team. He refused to play. That was like your one chance. There was no other. It's just not a thing. No one's trading for a six three guy who's making thirty plus million dollars who's not an all star. Hundred percent. It would have been hard to trade Dame for for certain guys because it's just the way the league works. You know, I don't know. That was. I'm just saying. Like, I get it. The trade you had to trade CJ. It was over in a sense. Or you could just keep doing the same thing and still, you know, be decent, but not really, and try to get lucky. You know, Uh, but. They try to create their own luck. It didn't pay off in 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 a in a perfect scenario. So now Joe Cronin's got to do something else. And I'm interested. And in the off season, draft time and off season, that's when you can. There's so much more available because that's when people do decide that hey, I'm I've had enough here. I want out. And and then you can hold it against them. But that's the thing because some people wonder: Have they kept CJ and Powell? Could they have made a bigger a better trade this summer? I mean, I guess it's possible, but I still think you fall, I, but I still think you fall into the same problems where you're trying to move small combo guards. Well, I mean, yes, DJ's CJ's a combo guard, Powell isn't, but anyway, still a small guard who aren't all stars who make a lot of money, and that's still going to be a tough sell. Plus, you just stayed in the repeater tax, which hurts you moving forward yes. anyway. So, the bottom line here is this: for the CJ trade, it all comes down to the trade exception. If they're able to go out and get another player who's small forward, power forward, who even is as good as Hart. And then you would say, okay, neither player is better than CJ, but I'd rather have both of them than CJ, yeah. which has always been one of my scenarios with you. May, you may not get a, a marquee guy or someone as good as CJ, but can you get two pieces that fit and make your team better? Dude, look at Dallas. Dallas Mavericks right now, like they, they cranked up the defense the other night on the Suns. And oh. they were so big, so long, so aggressive, so athletic. And I'm like, that's exactly 
Play, like player for player, every player on that team, if I said, would you, other than Luka, would you trade CJ for that guy? Everyone would go, hell no. You trade CJ for that guy? Hell no. Maybe Brunson, I guess. But other than that, Dinwiddie, people would have freaked out they traded him for Dinwiddie. But Dinwiddie's taller and he can still score. But you put all those guys together defensively, that's such a bigger beast to deal with than Dame, CJ, and Powell out there on defense. Come on. So addition by subtraction, if you if you use that exception to get a good guy, and now you have Hart and that guy to play off of Damon, and boom, you're better than you were with having CJ, period, end of story. But now if you fail, if you fail there, now it looks really, really bad. <laughs> so I'm going to give him to yeah, that. Yeah, bottom line, it's not, time, it's not time to give out a grade on Joe Cronin or these moves. It's not time. You know, eventually it will be time, and – you got to hope that he can he can figure it out. I mean, now the pressure is really on. He said it. it's easy to break down a team. It's hard to f- quickly. Very few franchises have have been able to rebuild quickly. Right. You know, Miami does it. <laughs> they just never stop. Like, you know, they lose players, gain players, lose players, gain players, and they're always competitive and they always have a chance to win a title. But, you know, most organizations don't do it. Dallas, hey, they made a heck of a transition because they got a, you know, a generational player. I mean, um, Lucas, I, I have to apologize to Dallas because I, I didn't think they could beat Phoenix. I, I did not see it coming. I thought no t- you know, they'll figure out a way to guard Luca. No, apparently there's no way to guard Luca. That's not a thing. Can't do it. And uh and they they have those pieces that they were smart. They traded Porzingis and they and that was an addition that was addition by subtraction, just like you said. It doesn't um and what's it's not disrespectful to CJ. CJ is what he is. He's gonna be extremely valuable to uh New Orleans and he has a chance to win a title in the next five years on that team if everything goes right. But oh yeah, CJ's Joe Cronin yeah, Joe Cronin doesn't have five years. Joe Cronin has uh, an off season to to really <laughs> try to prove something. Probably to you know off season and half the season because I don't know um, how long Dame stays stays cool. You know if he comes back super healthy and um, and things haven't happened. That said, you know you bring this team back healthy, it's not terrible. You know you just really if you got your, if you got Grant and put him on this team, if that was possible. Um, if you were able to use the exception, trade this, you know, this number seven pick and, and, and nothing else from the core, suddenly the Blazers are good. Now, are oh, they definitely. championship good? Probably not, but they're good. Well, the championship good thing needs to, people need to stop talking about that. Just stop, stop making that the, the expectation because that's not going to happen unless you land another major, major star. It's just not. Yeah. Like, if you Paul George, talk to me. Kawhi, talk to me. Durant, talk to me. Anthony Davis, healthy, talk to me. You get Jeremy Grant or anyone else, like, I don't even want to hear it. Like, it's just, let's not even talk about it. If they miraculously get in the playoffs and get red hot and shock the world and become, you know, the third team in the last 50 years win a championship with their best player being a two, six foot two guard, great. That'd be awesome to see. But if that's what you're hoping for or wondering about or expect Cronin to pull out of his ass, it's just not, it's just not logical. Um, but they can still be good. And if you're good, you get in the playoffs, you know, you, you can make some noise and have some excitement. But I just think people need to get the whole championship. We want a championship, championship, championship out of because that's just driving people insane because it's just, it's just not realistic unless you get majorly lucky. And the thing, I'm, the things I'm talking about happening only happen when a player decides they want to come to you. That's when it happens. Nope. And people, players have never decided they want to come to Portland. Now, if I'm Kevin Durant, if I'm Kevin Durant, 
I'm not playing with Kyrie another season. I'm not messing around with Ben Simmons. I'm coming to Portland. I want to force my way to Portland. Because you add Kevin Durant with Damian Lillard, boom, I think you win the championship, period. And Durant would know that Dame's an adult, <laughs> right? Dame's the consummate professional adult. They win a title together. But Kevin Durant's probably not going to decide that because he probably wants to stay in Brooklyn. But anyway, um, yeah. You got so much fire and emotion about Kevin Durant. I know. Durant. I'm just, like, you, need, you need Kevin Durant like therapy, man. You just need to, you need to get it out. Get it over with. I love his talent. I wanted him so badly to beat the Warriors from OKC. What he did to me was just cheesy. Every move he's made since then has been cheesy. If He's 33. If I'm 33, I'm Kevin Durant. City doesn't matter. I need, I need to win a title without having right, ridden the coattails of the Warriors. And if I'm him, the number one place, well, one, one of the top three or four places I'd want to go. I mean, there's a lot of places he could go. But to go somewhere where you, he can say, I was the difference maker, Portland is perfect because they're coming off a horrible season, right? And you only have Lillard as a star player. It's the perfect place. It would completely – if he came here and helped the Blazers win a title, that would be worth – 10 times more than both championships he won in Golden State. Now, if he goes to Miami, no, that means Jack. If he goes to Boston, means nothing. If he goes to join LeBron and AD in LA, means nothing. He needs to go somewhere where they've been struggling to contend and they have another star player, and then he would be the difference maker. And that would cement his legacy. As, well, he already has a great legacy, don't get me wrong, but that would be a huge piece to his legacy and mean more than those two bogus ass championships he won in Golden State. A team, by the way, that a team, by the way, that is in the West Finals without him. They won the championship without him. They won 73 games without him. And they're in the West Finals without him. So that just proves even further how meaningless he was. But anyway. That's another story. No, but you're fine. You you and you got no issues. You're fine with Kevin Durant. There's no problem here. Nothing to look at. Just a just a normal guy just talking about a player. Not you know not obsessing. Not 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 you know completely and totally you know planning out the man's life and what he did right, what he did wrong. No, it's totally cool. Fine, whatever, whatever, Craig. Okay, one other thing, real quick, before we move on to the draft itself. You know it's. It shouldn't be discounted, that 2025 pick, because you can't trade your own picks in back-to-back years, but because that pick belongs to the Bucks, the Blazers can trade it. Or, or yeah, it's linked to the Bucks. The Blazers can trade it along with its 2024 pick. So they have th- – and, and then, of course, you can't trade – well, they didn't have – they don't have their own 23 pick because that's going to go to the Bulls. They have this year's pick. So they have three first-round picks in the next four years that they can deal. So again, two rebuilding teams, trying to move guys, et cetera, et cetera, that has value. So in theory, they can use a seventh pick, trade exception to get Grant. They could use those other two first round picks to try and then what cap space they're going to have, little cap space after they clear some things and still get another play as well, plus the mid-level exception. So you're adding depth there. You're not going to get a high-end player with the two late first-round picks. Um, and you're hoping that your 2024 pick is going to be in the teens and not a lottery pick. But you're able to get depth to add dudes. Because at the end of the day, if you're not going to be star-heavy, you better have a lot of guys. You better have a lot of guys who can have an impact as role players as we're seeing in Dallas. So there's still a lot of avenues for them to create a pretty darn good team around Lillard. Probably not a contender, but still, to me, a team that can – win around 50 games. So anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. They don't need to make spectacular moves to be a, a, 
a good team. They just need to make solid moves and use this. Uh, and what we don't want, what I don't want to see, I don't want Cronin to kick the can down the road, you know, and not that that's what I think will hurt him is if he kicks the can down the road and nothing gets done and, and he tells people to be patient. Well, um, <clears throat> you're right. Go ahead. I'll finish up. Well, okay. So here's what, yeah, I'll, tell, I, here's what I'll say though. Next year's free agent, free agent class is way better. So if he's in a, if they're in a position where it's like, okay, we're not going to be able to do exactly what we want to do this year. Let's not force it and then try and position yourself to where you're able to clear some cap space next summer. Then that is fair. And I think he would deserve a pass on that. Let me tell you something. That totally worked for the Knicks. (laughs) Totally worked for the Knicks. That that strategy is exactly what they use, and it totally worked. I I, you know, my thing is Well, it can work. Just because it didn't work for the Knicks doesn't mean it it can't work. It can. It just is it's just it doesn't. It just doesn't seem to work that well. I'm just saying for Miami. that's a New York Knicks team with a city. I'm. It's just a little counter to what some of the things that you've said in the past, which I know you've never co- contradicted yourself. Wait, wait, ever, wait. What am I counter? Talk about what am, I, what, I, what am I countering? How I'm hard just, it is to get a free. How hard it is to get a free agent to come to Portland, and that the oh, best yeah, way to do it is through trades. So no, I agree. But if you can't, saying, I'm not. I'm not countering. I'm just saying that if Cronin came out and said we couldn't get the person we wanted to get, so I'm not going to just throw everything around, just get a bunch of guys I don't want. Sure. I'm going to try and save an opportunity for next season. I'm going to give him the benefit of that. That doesn't mean I say he's going to land a, a superstar. I'm not saying that. But he still could get good, a good player. Maybe it's a player along the level of Grant. So don't give Alan Crabb $100 million. <laughs> it was $76 million. And Paul Allen didn't want to lose assets. So they tried. People just- <laughs> I, I, it's so easy to poke the it's so easy to poke the bear. It's like it's funny. See, people, you don't get to see Aaron's face. Like it's like he knows I'm what I'm doing, and he still can't help it. Like he can't help but I'm like the down fish. The, I'm he, like the fish who sees the worm right. on the hook, and it's like I know there's a hook there, but I can't resist the worm, baby. <laughs> I don't even think you see a worm. I think you just see the hook. I mean, like, I'm not I'm not trying to trick you with this stuff, you know? It's like, I know I'm going to say Alan Crabb, and you're going to get into defense mode, and it's fun. It's just fun. I'm glad I'm here to amuse you. Well, somebody's got to do it to you because you do it to so many others. You bait so many others into arguments that, that, that frustrate them. I, I, I think it's just my – that's what I'm supposed to do for society. You're everyone's you know, revenge you, you on, get on you me. Riled up, but, okay, let's get, let's get know, to the draft. Go ahead. We gonna yeah, say? I'm just saying we get to the draft to talk about it, but I, I, I just don't think they're going to – man, I hope they're not picking, you know, unless they're picking for someone else. Well, let me just run through it real quick. So I'm, I'm going to do a mock draft rundown. So I have some names just so people can hear some names. Okay, Bleacher Report has them taking Duke small forward AJ Griffin. CBSSports.com has them taking Kansas guard Oche Agbaji. Sure, right? Okay. Uh, SB Nation has them taking uh, Memphis center Jalen Duran. Sporting News has them going Dyson Daniels G League G League guy. Um, NBA.com consensus mock draft also says Duran and Sports Illustrated has uh, Arizona guard Ben Mathurin and then Yahoo has also has Ben. Um, what's funny about this is that this is how wild some of these can be. Like for instance, uh, Bleach Report has AJ Griffin at seven, but CBS Sports has Griffin going 12th to Oklahoma City. CBS, of course, I just said has 
Agbaji going seventh to the Blazers, but Bleacher Report has him going 18th to the Bulls. So take these mock drafts with a grain of salt. They're all yeah, just sort especially of random. Now, they haven't worked out. They haven't worked out. They haven't been measured. They've done no medicals. Yeah, ESPN has, you know, them taking the Memphis Center, Jalen Duran too, and they have uh, AJ Griffin going eight to the Pelicans. So I, basically, if it happens this way, AJ Griffin's going to be an All Star in two years, <laughs> right? Up, I'll say this: of the players, and just my cursory uh, scouting I've done, AJ Griffin is just really intriguing to me because he's he's a legitimate. NBA body right now at 6'6", 222. That's how big Michael Jordan was when he, re- when he retired. 6'6", 222. That's a beefy character. That's that's a, that's a Nasir Little with an extra inch. So you're getting some size. He has some athleticism. Not elite, but he has some athleticism. And he plays defense. He's Everyone and says he how shoot. good of a defender he already is. And he's a shooter, 44.7% on threes. He didn't take a ton, but still, even if that dropped to 37 in his rookie year, and you're giving me defense at 6'6", 222, I can use that guy out the gate. Like, that's the kind of guy where you say, hmm, do we do we keep this guy? Because he can help us now. It's just even a guy off the bench who can play some defense and shoot the three, and we then we believe he could grow and mature, and in three years, when Dame's out of his prime and it's sort of ant show, and now I got this guy. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's the guy that would give me pause in making a trade. So, And that's just me right now off the top of my head. Uh Spewing pre-draft nonsense. <laughs> I mean, it's just so hard to, to figure these things out. I mean, I, I I would say that he fits if it reaching his potential, he fits everything that well that every NBA team needs, but certainly what the Blazers need. A guy who plays the three, who can really shoot and defend multiple positions, and but he's gonna be 19, you know, and is he ready? Right. Like you just it's not like he was he wasn't the best player on his college team. Now, admittedly, his college team's gonna have multiple first rounders, including somebody taken in the, you know, top four. So it doesn't mean anything. It just it's hard to see that guy stepping in year one and being a thirty some you know really pushing to be a starter. Um, oh no. And that's gonna start you know Yeah. No, he's going to be – but, but if, again, if I have that coming off the bench for 18 minutes a night, that's better than what they had coming off the bench this past year coming into oh, the season. Coming, yeah. You know, it's like – like I said, a 6'6", 220 guy who can play D and shoot the three. Are you kidding me? Sign me up for that all day coming off my bench with potential to no, grow. I, I, yeah, i 100%. And if you have to yeah. draft that, if you're going to draft that at that number and you're not going to trade it, that's where you – you know, to me, that's where you go. Um, I wouldn't – you know, I, you know, it's just so hard because all your instincts are draft best player. I mean, it's been proven time and time again, draft best player. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes I have to remind myself, it doesn't matter who you have playing guard. If you're going to draft a guy that's 18, 19 years old, draft the best player available and then figure it out. And then 100%. figuring it out means that, you know, Damian Lillard's going to be on another team in three years. Well, you know, you can't predict three years from now in the NBA. Um, but I do, I, I, I'm hoping that Joe Cronin can do some stuff. And at least when we enter the season, we'll be looking at a roster that we, that we don't know what it's going to be like. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for some intrigue, um, both for Joe Cronin's sake, for your sake as a person that's covering the team and as for the fans' <laughs> sake and for Damian Lewis' sake, cause I really think he wants to say, um, but 
you know, if it, I don't, I don't think anybody in the world is going to blame Damian Lillard if he doesn't see a, a, a plan that'll get him to a championship in the next two, you know, years. If he starts saying, "Hey, man, it might be time to go," it's going to be hard to to be mad at a guy who's pretty much told you that's what he's going to do his whole entire career. You know, I want to win a title, and if I think I can win a title here, I'll stay. I love it here, but you know, you never know. Agreed. All right, we good. All right, that's we a very all? that's a very special edition. You forgot to say special edition of the. That's uh, right. This Blazers is a special edition podcast. of Blazer Focus Podcast, the <laughs> post lottery edition. <laughs> Fenches is fired up. Dropping. He's good. He's in Chicago, baby. I know. I'm from here, man. I gotta get the Wrigley, bro. I gotta make it happen, right? Hey, I say do it. Are they home? I'll be remiss. Yeah, they're home all week. I'm going to try and get there tonight. So go. So, All right. That's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next edition of the Blazer Focus Podcast. I'm Aaron Fentures. He's Craig Bernbach. Have a good day. We'll catch you next time.